0: Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We are glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message.
1: In Acts of the 3 Bible tells us there that Peter and John at the time of uh, at the time of uh, prayer they were going into the temple. And as they were going into the temple, the Bible said that they met a particular man. The man wanted money from them. He was asking for arm. The Bible said that this man was paralyzed, was lame from his waist. You know, was lame right from his mother's womb. In other words, he never walked a day in his life. Then the Lord was telling us, the Bible was telling us that when this man saw Peter, he was asking for money. But Peter said, silver and gold, have I not? But what I have, I will give to you. And that is in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. That was what Peter said to this man. And the man received healing at that point in time. Okay. Now, as soon as Peter, as soon as this man was healed, the story changes, you know, they went into the temple, people saw it, they were happy, and they started talking about the Father. yes, the power of God is here with us. And Peter took the opportunity to begin to preach the message, the gospel to this particular individual. And as he was preaching, we now come to the you know chapter 4 in verse 1. And in chapter 4, the Bible says uh, the, the Bible makes us understand that the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came unto them. In other words, when Peter started preaching and people started gathering. If you read the scripture, it say about five thousand people were present at that point in time, and they received the gospel. So when Peter, you know, started preaching and they, and, they, and the people started gathering, the people, the religious leaders, the the managers of the temple at that time, they were not too happy. The Bible says that they came on to them, and in verse three, it said they laid their hands on them and put them in prison for the night, for preaching the gospel. They put them in prison for the night. And, you know, what happened is that the question that comes to mind is that why did they put their hands on them? Why did they put them in prison? Go to verse number four. The Bible said when they did lay their hands on them, they put them in prison till the next day. And in in, uh, in verse number, I think in verse number two, we say, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. That was the reason why they put them in jail. They were grieved because they were teaching the people about the word of God. They were not happy that the people were learning about the Lord Jesus Christ. They were not happy that somebody was telling them the way of the truth, the way that would take them to salvation, the way that would take them to eternal life. They were not happy about it. So as a result, they laid hands on them and put them in prison. Now, from this verse of the scripture, you will say that these people were not arrested because they were just, they were regular Jews. They were arrested because they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were not arrested because they were, you know, they talked to the people. They were arrested because they taught the people about Jesus Christ. They were not arrested because they came to the temple to pray. They were arrested because they were preaching the resurrected Christ. If they had gone to the temple and did what every other person was doing, there would be no problem. If they had gone to the temple and they were talking to people about the politics or the next election, they wouldn't have had any problem. But as soon as they started mentioning the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, problems started. They came to the temple. If they are just, you know, if they healed the man, if they healed the man that was that was crippled without doing any other thing, without mentioning another thing, everything will be fine. But as soon as they healed the man and they talked about Jesus, trouble started. And you will notice in your place of work or in the community where you find yourself, you can tell people how good, you know, you can give them money. You can give them food. You can give them all sorts of things. It is okay to do charity work. But as soon as you mention the name of Jesus, that is where you remember there's a separation between church and state. That is when everything goes upside down. The, as soon as the name of Jesus is introduced into a conversation, the conversation changes. So the problem here was not that Peter was in the temple. The problem was not that Peter was, pre, was, was, was uh, healed the man. The problem was that they were talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, what happened in those days is currently happening right now okay they will find that they can get a miracle but they are not interested in the miracle giver people want to receive from god they want to get a blessing from god but they are not interested in the lord jesus christ people are interested you know they want a miracle but they don't want to live a righteous life they want to enjoy the blessings of god they want to enjoy the mercy of god they want to enjoy all the good things that god can make available to them but they don't want to live a holy life they don't want to live a righteous life. They want to continue to enjoy their sins and enjoy the blessings of God. And the Bible says, can we continue in sin and expect the grace of God to multiply? It says it's not possible. They were fine with the miracle, but they don't want a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, But Peter and John had to talk about Christ. That was where the problem come. Yeah, that was where the problem came. They had to talk about the Lord Jesus. Christ. Well, this Peter had to bring this pesky Jesus into this business. I mean, if you had left Jesus out of the equation, they wouldn't have spent the night in jail. Okay? They had to call the people to repentance. Why don't you just tell them, enjoy the service and go home? Why do you have to call them to repentance? This is the real issue. The real issue was not the healing. The real issue was not the presence in the temple. The real issue was Jesus. Jesus was the problem. And like I said, as soon as you mention the name of Jesus in the conversation in the public place, everything turns upside down. Okay? Everything turns upside down. People are good. They want to. It's okay that they take your money. It's okay to take your food. It's okay to take the charity or the philanthropy or whatever you are giving to them. But don't mention the name of Jesus. And that is what we see. Okay? As it was in those days, it is still present here today. It's okay to talk about. It's okay to be religious. It's okay to say, I am spiritual. But you cannot even define what that spirituality means. It's okay to talk about everything else. But don't talk about Jesus. Even in the place of work. The interesting thing about society is that we have put so much roadblocks to people hearing the gospel of Christ. That it is not very difficult for you to preach to people where you know in, in an open place. You have to get the permission of the individual before you talk. But the problem, of the, the problem at that time in Jerusalem and where their, why Peter and John spent the night in jail was because they were not supposed to be talking to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you look at the scripture again, Acts chapter 4, reading from verse number 2, the Bible says, "...being grieved that they taught the people and preached to Jesus the resurrection from the dead, they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was eventide." The question then is why would anybody be angry that the people are have been, have been taught about the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ? Why would somebody be angry, you know? Why would anybody be angry that the word of God is being preached? Why would anybody be angry that Jesus Christ has been introduced to somebody who is going, to, you know, who's is, who's is, who's is going to who's going to spend eternity apart from him? Why would anybody be angry about the fact that you are teaching somebody how to live a righteous life? Why would anybody be angry? Okay? Why would anybody be, 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 be angry and deny? I mean, you see a miracle happen. A man who was born lame right from the mother's womb. The Bible told us that they prayed for him and this man stood up. Why would you be angry that something like that happened? I mean, if I have a problem in my life and somebody prayed for me in the name of Jesus and I receive a miracle, would I? Would this, does it make sense for me to be angry? Does it make sense for people around us to be? It doesn't make sense. But why would somebody be angry that Jesus, you know, that the miracle take place? Let's open our Bible to the book of John chapter eleven. In John chapter eleven, reading from verse number forty-seven, the Bible gives us an an insight as to what how the people try to silence our Lord Jesus Christ Himself. John eleven, reading from verse number forty-seven, the Bible said, "Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said." What do we do? For this man does many miracles. If we let this man, if we let him do alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans will come, shall come, and take away both our place and our nation. That is where the problem is. So it is really not the message. Okay? It's really not the message. It's really not the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's really not about what they are hearing. The issue is that many people refuse or are angry or are grieved by the word of God or by the preaching of the word of God because they have an agenda. They have a problem with the word of God Not because the word of God is wrong Not because Jesus you know, not just because Jesus was a fraud Not because he was doing something evil Not because he was, you know, was stealing from the people Or doing something terrible They had a problem with the, with, the, with the preaching of the gospel Of our Lord Jesus Christ In that verse number 48 If you read it very well The Bible says If we let him alone All men will believe on him And the Romans shall come And take both our place and our nation From this verse of the scripture, you see that a man who is afraid of the truth, a man who does not want the gospel to be preached, a man who has a problem with the word of God, that particular man is a man who is afraid of the truth. If you don't want to see the gospel being preached, it's because something you are trying to, you know, you are afraid of the truth because of something you feel you are going to lose. The Bible says in, verse, in Acts chapter 4 verse 16, it says, what shall we do to these men? For they indeed, uh, for, indeed uh, for that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them, to in, uh, in manifest of all, of all of them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. So when you are trying to suppress the voice of the Lord Almighty, when you are trying to suppress the gospel, when you don't want people to know about it, it's because, number one, you are afraid of the truth. Can you imagine if both of us—I said myself and my brother here—we went out and while we are doing something, everybody knows this is the pastor of the church, and we all go and all of a sudden he goes across the street and I, they, 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 while he was just passing through a nightclub, he saw me there clubbing, you know, and he saw me clubbing. If Brother Marcos walks into the church on a Sunday the first thing that will cross my mind is I hope this guy is not going to say anything about me clubbing. That is the first thing that will cross my mind. The reason is because I have done something and I don't want everybody to know about it. And because I don't want people to know about it, as soon as he wants to open his mouth, I say, oh, don't mind him. He's not a serious guy. Don't worry about him. You can't trust anything he says. I'll start discrediting him. The reason is because I don't want that truth to come out. When you are afraid of the truth, what you do is that you try to silence Whoever is going to say the truth. You try to silence wherever that truth is going to come from. You try to silence the things that will we, that we, that we reveal the truth. And that is what is happening here. These people had an agenda and as such, they wanted to silence the apostles. They wanted to silence our Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, who is the man who is grieved by the truth? The man who is grieved by the truth is a man who has nothing to offer. The man has nothing to offer. Look at verse number six uh, 16. It says, Say, what shall we do to this man? For indeed, a notable miracle has been done by them is manifest to all that dwell in Jerusalem. In other words, these people have this power. The power of the Almighty God is resident upon Paul, upon, upon Peter and, jo- and John. And because of the power of God upon their life, they were able to pray for the man who was sick and the man was able to stand up. The problem now is this. Do the Pharisees have the same ability? No. Do the Sadducees have the ability to pray? No. They cannot heal anybody. This man has been sitting in front of the temple for donkey years. And they have been using that same road. Going to that place and going to their, to their temple meeting and doing it for years. They never prayed for this guy until Peter and John came and they prayed for him. So when you don't have anything to offer, what do you do? You try to silence the other people. You try to keep them quiet. So that they don't see your own limitation, so that they don't see your own weakness. Number three, who is the man that is grieved by the truth? The man who is grieved by the truth is a man whose position is unsustainable. Look at that verse number 16 again. the Bible says, Beholding the man who just healed, standing with them, they could not say anything against him. He said, Because we cannot deny it. their position is unsustainable. In other words, when you are arguing. And you are saying that, uh, and you are, you are making a particular, uh, you are taking a particular position. As long as your position is unsustainable, what you will do is that any contrary voice, any contrary opinion, you try to silence it. So your position is unsustainable if anybody who is gripped by the truth. Number four, who is the man that is gripped by the truth? The man that is grieved by the truth is the man who thrives on the ignorance of others. We used to say something back home. That's in, uh, I think they say it here in the U.S. also. They say they, in the land of the blind is in the land of the blind. The one man eye is the one, is the king. In other words, if everybody is blind in this room, and I am the only one that has one eye like this... I will be the king because I'm the only one who can tell you what's going on, and I can tell you whatever I can and I want to tell you. I can tell you that. Do you know that people here they walk with they, this is the way they walk because you can't see, you can't verify it, you can't argue with me. I'm the only one who knows, you know, and that is what is happening here. When you see somebody who is grieved by the truth, when you see somebody who is not happy about the truth, is because he thrives on the ignorance of other people. Okay, he thrives on the ignorance of other people. I don't know about those of us who are here in the U.S., but many of us who have migrated here to, 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 to this country, when you are calling people back when you are calling people back home in Africa, what do you tell them? You tell them a lot of funky stories about America. In America, when you come into the airport, there's a box of money there that you can always pull. And you can send them... And then you begin to tell all sorts of lies. The reason you can do that is because the man in Africa is not here. He can't see what you're saying. He doesn't know whether you're telling the truth or you're lying. So you are praying on the ignorance of those individuals. The point you are making is that a man who is grieved by the truth, a man who is does not, you know, who is not who is afraid of the truth is a man who preys on the ignorance of other people. And what you find is that as soon as somebody who knows more comes in, it becomes a problem. You see it at work. If you are the local champion at work, and all of a sudden somebody comes in. Who knows the job? Who is confident about the job? Who is well-educated about this particular job? Who has all the certification? What happened? You say, oh, he's a cocky guy. No, oh, he's not a guy. You start looking for a way to discredit that person. It's because at that point in time, because the people don't know you are the king. You are the big fish in that small pond. You know, but right now there's a pond is getting bigger and another fish has come in. Their life is becoming, <laughs> you're not too happy about it. So the man who is grieved by the truth is a man who thrives on the ignorance of others. Number five, the man who tri- who, grieves, who is grieved by the truth is a man who is interested in self-preservation. A man who wants to preserve his position. A man who wants to preserve himself. A man who does not want other people to take his position. Look at John chapter 11 verse number seven, 47. The Bible says, if we let this man alone, all men will believe on him. Okay? And the problem when all men believe on him is that the Romans will come and take both our place and our nation. In other words, we are interested in remaining in this position. We want to continue to be the people that call the shot. We want to be the man and the woman who will continue to be the boss in this place. And as long as we are able to keep that status quo, we are happy. But if another person comes from somewhere and now wants to tell us, you know, and now wants to want want to want to threaten that position, we will do everything possible to take that person down. And that is what is happening not only in the not only outside but within the church of God. And that's why you see you come to church, people want to hug the authority. They want to hug the power. They want to show that they are the most spiritual. They want to show that they are the only one who hear from God. They want to show that they are, you know, apart from, they have an express line to God. And they are the only one who can talk to God. But the point is that nobody has a monopoly of God. Nobody. So the idea is that the people who are grieved by the truth of the word of God are the people who are interested in self-preservation. And as long as you continue to preserve, you do self-preservation, what happens is that you you are not going to grow you will remain on the same spot okay so the man who is who will be grieved number 6 now the man who will be grieved by the truth is a man who is also insecure mm-hmm. a man who is insecure in his position because if you are secure in your position it doesn't matter if you read john chapter 13 the bible tells us there That Jesus, when they were about to prepare for that last supper, the Bible said Jesus took away his his, his coat, laid it down, picked up a basin and a towel, and started washing the disciples' feet. Why would he do that? If you go back, I think in verse number 3 of that chapter 13, the Bible said Jesus, knowing who he is, knowing where he came from, and knowing where he's going, he said that is when he took off that robe and started doing that menial job. He was confident in who he was. He was confident in his position. He was confident in his authority. He knew that he was the Lord. He knew that he was the one that spoke the universe into existence. He knew that washing somebody's feet doesn't change who he is. As long as you are insecure in who you are, you will never want to hear the truth. As long as you are insecure in your position, you will never allow others to be able to move forward. As long as you are insecure in your position, you will never allow other people to excel. You will not give people opportunity to grow. You will not give people opportunity to be able to advance. You will not give people opportunity to be able to grow and develop the talent that God has put upon their life. A man who is grieved by the truth is a man who is insecure in his position. The interesting thing about this is that these people will prefer to criticize rather than to educate the Pharisees. A man who is insecure in his position will prefer to criticize instead of building the other person up. Instead of educating people and saying this is the best way for you to do to be able to move forward. They will rather criticize than do what? Than teach the people or educate the people. They will rather ridicule the individual than to instruct. If you see a person who is insecure, who is not afraid, who is afraid of the truth, if he sits down in church or sits down in school or sits down at a place of work, he's looking for the mistakes of other people so that he can tear them down. His intention is that when I tear them down, I look like the superstar. When I pull that person down, I'll be the man on top. But one thing they forget is that if you are going to put somebody's head in the mud, your hand is also going to be in that mud. You know, they forget that. But the man who will, the people who are who will be grieved by the truth, is a man who will rather is, who will rather ridicule than instruct. A person who will rather you know resist than encourage other people. They will resist the movement of the people. They will resist the promotion of people. They will resist the advancement of people. It rather than encourage. Number four now, a man who will, who is who is a who is gripped by the truth, is a person who would rather persecute rather than protect the people who are supposed to move forward. If you look back in your professional life, who is the supervisor or the manager that you love the most? It's the one that encouraged you and told you these are the opportunities that are out there. This is how you can get this promotion. This is the opportunity that is in this particular department. But the person that you really don't really like or you can't even remember them are the people who say you want to even just to apply for a leave. This guy will give you the stress in your life. He will not even allow you to take advantage of benefits that accrue to you. He won't even allow you to take it. So you see, the man, these kind of people are people who persecute rather than protect. And they do all this under the guise of, hey, I'm only trying to protect you. Okay. I'm only trying to stop deception. I'm only trying to preserve the church. You know, I'm only trying to, you know, fight a common enemy, or we are only trying to protect the common good. They give it, they give you a picture that whatever they are doing is for your own good. They do it as if they are trying to protect you. They do it as if, oh, I'm doing all these things. It's not because of me. It's because of you. You are so innocent. You are so you are so vulnerable that you need somebody to protect you. That's the picture they gave. Instead of telling you that they are doing it for their own self. The, 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 the Pharisees of those days, they came out and they said, yes, don't preach in this name. Is it because they were interested in the people? No. The Bible says that they were doing it so that their position can be secured. And we do that every time. A lot of people do that in their place of work, we do it in the church of God, we do it even in the house or in our own individual houses. So, some may be asking, how then do I respond when I encounter this kind of situation? How do we respond? People have always had been angered by the preaching of the gospel of the world, or by the preaching of the gospel of God. How do we respond when we face people like this who want to suppress the truth? John chapter 6, John chapter 16. Reading from verse number 2. John 16. Reading from verse number 2. The Bible says, They shall put you out of the synagogue. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you think that they are doing service to the Lord. And now, how then do you respond? Number 1. I think let's read another verse of the scripture. John chapter 8 verse 31. The Bible says, Then said Jesus to to those Jews which believed on him. If you continue in my word. Then ye are my disciples indeed. And then verse number 32. And ye shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. How then do you respond? Number one. You need to know the truth of the word of God that you believe. People, there's going to be persecution of the church. There's going to be a persecution of the believers. Anyone who identifies with the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be persecuted. Anyone who identifies with the Lord Jesus Christ is going to enjoy ridicule. People are going to mess with you. They are going to try to silence your voice. The Bible now makes us understand that you you must know the truth if you are going to fight against it. If somebody comes in here and begins to present himself as the big boss, only if you know the truth about that person, you can always silence that person. So, you need to know the truth that you believe. Why? Because that truth is going to be tested. If you say, I believe in God, a time will come when they are going to challenge and test that particular faith. If you say, I believe in the provision of God, a time will come when that belief in the provision of God will be tested. I say, I believe in the miracles, a time will come when that your faith in the ability of God to do miracles in your life will be tested. Whatever you declare about God, whatever position that you hold about God, you really need to know what you believe. Because I tell people one thing. Our faith is not a faith that comes as a result of uh, uh, what do you call it? As a result of uh, uh, spectator. It's, a, it's not a spectator sport. You do not benefit in the church. You do not benefit from by walking away, from walking with the Lord by just watching. That's right. You don't benefit. The only time you benefit from the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is when you participate. So when the Lord Jesus Christ said, "Call upon me." I will hear and I will answer, and I will show you great and mighty things you do not know. The only time God will hear you is when you call upon Him. If you refuse to call, He will not answer. It's a very simple process. The Bible says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measures pressed down, shaken together, shall so men give unto your bosom. If you don't give, you are not going to get. You will get to heaven, no problem, but you will not get anything. The point is that our faith is a faith that has to be put into practice. It is not a faith that comes as a result of association. The fact that you spend a lot of time in church does not make you a Christian. I hope you know that. I use the example, but there's one particular preacher that says, if you park a particular car in the garage, it does not make the car a garage. It still makes the car a car. Okay? The fact that you spend time in the church does not make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is, you, is your response to the invitation that Jesus Christ gives that you should come unto him. That is what makes you a Christian. So, you need to know the truth that you believe. You need to know that truth. Because that truth will be tested. Number two, how do you respond? You need to know why you believe what you believe. You need to know why you believe what you believe. The reason is because that faith is going to be challenged. If I tell you anything from this pulpit and you don't know why, if you go out somewhere and somebody has a better argument than my own, that person will convince you otherwise. And if you go somewhere else, and that one has another compelling argument, you will believe that person also. That means you are going to continue to go up and down, up and down, up and down. But if you know why you believe what you believe, what happens is that if there's another argument that comes, you can always go deep down and say, yes, this is the reason why I believe what I believe, and that is why I'm sticking with it. I used to tell people, if by the time I woke up this morning, I had a chocolate chip, you know, pancake with nice syrup and everything on top of it. And by the time I finished eating, I came to church. And I told my brother here, I said, there, you know there is something called chocolate chip pancake. With syrup, it is just excellent. And he said, there's nothing like chocolate chip pancake. He can argue till his face turns blue. It doesn't change what I know. Because I ate it this morning. And I know that there is something called chocolate chip pancake. Okay? Because I ate it this morning. But if I have not eaten it, and I have not even seen it before. And somebody told me about chocolate chip pancake. What happened is that if my brother says there is nothing like that. I will probably not. I might not be able to argue with him. Because I don't know. I have not seen it before. The point I am making is this. If you have not encountered the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have not met him as your Lord and Savior. Somebody will come and say. All oh, those religious things is just nonsense. You can argue. Because you don't know. okay? But if you know. And God has done something for you. Can you imagine that guy, that guy that Peter and Paul, sorry, Peter and John prayed for? Okay. The guy that he prayed for, that man at the beautiful gate. Assuming somebody comes and says, There is no power in the name of Jesus. What would that guy say? Say, You must be kidding me. I was sitting down here for years, crippled. And this guy said, Rise up in the name of Jesus. You are telling me there's no power. I don't know about you, but I know there is power. The reason is because the man knows why he believes, he has experienced something. Something has touched his life. Something has been changed in his life. Unless you know why you believe, you may not be able to continue your Christian journey. Or your Christian journey might be truncated if you don't know why you believe what you believe. Do you know why they called God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob? Because you find that the God was not automatic. The name of God was not automatic. Initially, God was only known as God as Abraham. Isaac had to experience God. Isaac had to encounter God. And Isaac had to live with God on his own. He had to encounter the God of his father personally before God became the God of Abraham and God of Isaac. And when Jacob came along, and the time of Jacob, God was not known as God of Abraham, or Isaac and Jacob. No, it was just God of Abraham and Isaac. If you read when he was in Bethel, he said, the gods of your father, not your own God. But a time came, When uh, when Jacob encountered the Lord Jesus, uh, encountered God, and when he encountered him, God became real to him. And then at that point in time, he said, I am your God that delivered. So the point is that you cannot rely on the faith of your father. You cannot rely on the faith of your mother. You cannot even rely on the faith of your pastor or the faith of your church. It has to be a personal encounter. And that is why, if you are going to respond to any opposition, If you are going to respond to any challenge to your faith, you not only know what you believe, you must know why you believe what you believe. Because if you don't know, your faith will be challenged.
0: Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.